Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 478 for Wednesday, the 16th of November, 2016. Nice to see you tonight. We're going to be looking at uh, Nagios. No, Nagios. I'm going to work on my pronunciation tonight. We're going to talk all about it. Nagi Nagios. 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 Nachos, however you want to say it, server monitoring and uh, being able to monitor your entire infrastructure at your enterprise or business. Uh, we're going to learn how to do it all from a Raspberry Pi. So you want to stick around. Sasha Dermatis, hey, how are you? I'm great, thanks. Here is what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. The results from OwnFest are in. Google Pixel was owned in just 60 seconds, and the Chinese hacker teams killed Safari and laugh at a four-second flash hack. Samsung has purchased connected car firm Harman for $8 billion in cash. A lone laptop computer can take down an entire server farm in a newly discovered type of denial-of-service attack. And the BBC has confirmed it will launch a new virtual reality film, The Turning Forest, next week. Stick around, the full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show, everybody. My name's Robbie Ferguson. Please help me welcome Jeff Weston. Hello. And over there in the newsroom, hey, Sasha Dermatis. Hey, everybody. Everybody doing well? I noticed that, uh, you know, Sasha has a great big lapel microphone on tonight. I am yeah. very sorry about the delay. We, you know, uh, yeah. those of you watching on demand, you have no idea, but hey, wow. uh, Sasha's microphone at the end of last week's show gave up the ghost, and then tonight we thought everything was okay, but it looked like there was something wrong with the cable, and uh, it uh, I think it's at the end of its life, unfortunately. So, Sasha's using a wireless lapel tonight, which I really, that really makes me nervous. Oh, does it? Wireless? It's well, yeah, it's battery it's battery powered. Yeah. We've got our eco alkalines in there, so I'm not I'm not doubting that it's going to hang. I you think know, it's pretty It's going to hold its own. I'm loving it. It works all right. We'll see how it sounds, and if it cuts out midway through the show, or if we start hearing police radios and things like that. Anything then could happen. Anything could happen. So, um, hey, uh, j you know that kind of is a bit of a segue into. Uh, first of all, thank you to those of you. <coughs> And forgive me if I cough tonight. I'm gonna I'm gonna do it. Um, thank you to those of you who have contributed to the show this week. We uh, we appreciate that very much. I'm gonna have to buy a new microphone for Sasha, plain and simple. And these headsets, unfortunately, are not cheap. And so your contributions are gonna help with that big time. So thank you very very much. Tonight we're gonna we're gonna do what we can with what we have here in the studio, and I'm sure we're gonna do just fine. It was just a little bit of scrambling at the beginning of the show there because we weren't expecting that. All right. How's everybody been? Good. Yeah? I feel yeah. like I'm doing all the talking so far, and I'm the guy with the, the cough. You, you kind of are doing all the talking, but that's Sorry. okay. Hey. Because you can talk now. You have a nice voice. I'll just take a break. I don't have a nice voice today. It's like, <laughs> I'll, I'll be talking away. I even answer the phone at work, and I feel like I'm on the, I'm on the cusp of coughing with every breath. Really? Yes. The snow hasn't even fallen yet. And you're getting sick. Uh, one of my coworkers was sick for like two weeks. Oh. And Have I you been drinking your medicinal hot toddies, Robbie? <laughs> <laughs> Sir, what? Hot? Do you think hot, that would work? Hot toddies? I haven't warmed it up, but I might have had some of the ingredients. So it's quite possible. It's <laughs> good. good. <laughs> That's a new one. I've never heard. Well, look it up, Jeff. Look it up. We won't define it on our G-rated show. <laughs> okay, yeah. fair. Otherwise, we're all of a sudden PG. Um, right. Okay, tonight we're looking at, I'm going to try it, Nagios. 
I'm going to get the pronunciation wrong all through tonight because I used to say Nagios. That was my pronunciation of the term. Okay. Then people corrected me and said, no, it's Nagios. So for two years now, I've been saying Nagios. Then I actually looked into it and found out that the pronunciation is Nagios. Nagios. It's very proper. It's not Nagios. It's Nagios. So are we going back to like a whole other version of Matei, Mate, all that? Exactly like that. Okay. Exactly like that. So right out the gate tonight, we're going to get the pronunciation right. Because Nagios was founded by Ethan Galstead, who says the N-A sounds like Na. The G-I sounds like the first part of Geese, Gi. And O-S sounds like the last part of Verbose. So put it all together. Nagios. Nagios. Hmm. Now we know, folks. Do we know how it got its name? We have no clue about that. <laughs> okay. But uh, Ethan went on to say that uh, you can actually pronounce it however the heck you like. Well, that's fair. In fact, Ethan himself, the founder of Nagios, uh, said one of his favorite mispronunciations is nachos. Hey, I am okay with nachos. Mmm. Nachos. There's never a bad time for nachos. But what on earth is it? Nagios. Nagios, nachos. Nagios. We should just call it nachos. We should just call it nachos. We're gonna, tonight we're going to call it NEMS. <laughs> NEMS is the Nagios Enterprise Monitoring Server, and it's freely available for you on your Raspberry Pi 3. Not the Pi 2? No. Is there a reason for that, or will we get to that later? Yes. Well, quickly off the bat, um, the reason for it is because what this server does requires a fair bit of resources. And, okay. and what's the point in having legacy support for an older uh, system when the Raspberry Pi 3 costs the same amount? Right. And you can get one. You know, it has a gig of RAM. It's got more processor power, and it's a better system altogether. So you can do more with it. So let's put our focus on the current uh, version and not waste development time on supporting legacy hardware. So the moral of the story is if you have a Raspberry Pi 2, go to cat5.tv slash Pi and get a Pi 3. Do it. I have two Pi 3s and a Pi 2. That's a lot of Pi. And I love it. I love tinkering and I, I love playing around with them. I need You're going to have a lot of fun. So, okay, what is Nagios? Nagios is an enterprise monitoring service. Uh, that it runs on a server, and it's going to allow you to keep track of whether services are up and down, if a server is having trouble, say it's running low on hard drive space or things like that. It's important for you as a system administrator to know that these things are going wrong. Hey, well, my website's down. Do I use Uptime Robot or do I use my very own Nagios deployment? Right. Nagios, though, is notoriously difficult to set up. Okay. It's notoriously difficult to get your head around installation, deployment, and utilization. Well, we're going to make it simple. NEMS does that. NEMS is a ready-to-use, out-of-the-box, downloadable Raspberry Pi 3 image, and you can get it at baldnerd.com slash NEMS, just like it sounds, N-E-M-S. So Did let's you say baldnerd.com? Baldnerd.com. Let's go there, that folks. That is beautiful. Baldnerd.com slash NEMS. How did I never know Just like it sounds. <laughs> okay. 
It's amazing. There you go. Wow. Okay, so all we need to do, of course, you can read up all about NEMS. Uh, we've been working on improving the documentation, so there is online documentation for a lot of the cool features. Uh, and then we've got uh, some screenshots and blah, blah, blah. Links to buy your own pie kit to get you started. I, I think what it boils down to, and here's the downloadable image. We're going to talk about that in just a second as we, as we deploy this for our Raspberry Pi. Why NEMS? Why would we go with a Raspberry Pi installation and deployment of Nagios? Any, any ideas? Maybe chat room? Have you got any ideas why you might want to do that? This is where the Jeopardy theme song plays. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it, that way it makes it a cheap standalone system that you don't have to rely upon an expensive computer to run that software when it's also working as part of your network in some capacity. You know, you've, you've almost got it, the nail right in the center of okay. the answer here. Definitely has to do with hardware, but also... Because uh, an enterprise monitoring service is going to help you and your IT department to figure out you know, what assets are having trouble, what assets are running great, and, and to have a dashboard and an overview to be able to see what's going on on your network. I use the you know, hard drive spaces low on the server, for example. Uh, maybe the backups drive, the backup drive is almost out of space. You need to know these things, but you may not go around to every computer and figure it out. So using something like Nagio, so you're going to be able to monitor these things. So the temptation here, Jeff, is to take uh, an old server, for example, repurpose it, mm -hmm. and deploy Nagios. So you're going to go through the process of installing Debian. You're going to install Nagios. You're going to install all the third-party tools. You're going to connect it all together. You're going to set up your configs, and you're going to lose two weeks doing it. Right. And you're going to be running now this old repurposed piece of hardware. This is just a scenario. This is maybe not you. So thinking of the repurposed piece of hardware that is from 10 years ago, it's eaten a lot of electricity to monitor your network. Right. Okay? So think about that for a second. You've got this big thing with old hard drives in it, and it's spinning all the time, and it's got fans going, and it's got processors running, and, and sure, it was powerful for the day, but it's not efficient today. A Raspberry Pi microcomputer uses very little electricity. It's a 5-volt computer. Nice it's case. very tiny. Thank you. Thank you. Available at cat5.tv slash pi. I don't want my cable to like slide behind the desk. That's your job. Uh, you hold that. I have one job tonight. That's it. That's all I wanted him here for, as he pushes buttons on my keyboard with the cable and cuts off the entire show. Well, for, tonight, for tonight, I volunteer as co-host. <laughs> One job. That's all you need to do. Hold the cable. Um, so this is a Raspberry Pi 3 in a nice little case, and it's so small. Yeah. doesn't generate a lot of heat in your server room like a big old repurposed server would. uses very little electricity, but surprisingly, possibly quite probably better specifications than that old repurposed server. That's Fast, true. Faster yeah. processor, more cores, more memory, more hard drive space in a micro SD card. You might have a Kingston 128 gig card in there, and you just slide it in, and you're done. Wow. So it uses very little electricity, generates very little heat, if any at all, and will do the same thing. With NEMS, though, because NEMS is a drop-in ready-to-deploy um, image, it takes it one step further and says there's no setup. If you're 
Raspberry Pi crashes because it's just a cheap piece of hardware. I haven't had one crash yet, but if it did, because the, the, the temptation is to say, well, what if it fails? You know, it's a, it's a $100 piece of equipment, including all of the peripherals that you need. Right. So what if it fails? Well, the beautiful thing is you pop out that micro SD card, you put it in a new Pi, you boot go. it up and you're good to go. Or if worse comes to worse, your micro SD card itself fails, NEMS runs its own backup tasks. Really? And it backs up the entire configuration of the entire device so that then if you keep that on a separate backup, if worse comes to worse, if your Pi completely fried itself, you lost your image, you lost your micro SD card, you could build a new Pi, stick a new micro SD card in there, deploy NEMS, import your backup, and you're back up and running like that. It's simple. So not only is Nagios much easier to deploy, but the actual deployment of your NEMS server is instantaneous. Uh, we did some tests, uh, Rick and I, um, who is one of the users of NEMS, uh, we did some tests just to see how this would work. The backup process took only one second. It's a lot of configuration files. They're text files. Okay. The restore process, somewhere like four seconds. See, I don't know if I could spare that much time. Can you imagine <laughs> deploying an entire Nagio server in four seconds? That's impressive. Beyond the time that it takes to burn the image to the SD card. Right, yeah. But to actually, so he had something in the, in the lines of 20 to 30 hosts and 60 different services that he's monitoring through his NEM server. Wow. And was able to deploy it like that. And keep a backup separate so that if anything ever happened to his NEMS deployment, he'd be able to restore it. No problem at all. Wow. Should we get a look at it? Absolutely. Okay. So what I have done, haven't fired this up yet. So this is a download right off of baldnerd.com slash NEMS. So here you can see so far tonight. So this is November 16th, 2016, and there have been 436 downloads. And it's going very well. I, I see a lot of comments, a lot of feedback from users of the software. And it, so it's gaining uh, momentum, and I think it's, it's going to do really well. And I should say for those of you who are thinking, well, what about Nagios Pi? Mm -hmm. Or, see, there I go. Nagios pie. Just call it nacho. It sounds so <laughs> fancy. I, I feel nacho like pie. I'm like uh, upper, upper class Britain and I'm Nagios. <laughs> you know, that's, that's uh, Nagios. That's how I want to say it. Um, so, um, Ryan Siegel created Nagios pie. Fantastic deployment, and his work is a huge influence on, on NEMS. So, if you're wondering what it, what's the difference between NEMS and Nagios Pi? Uh, Nagios Pi was, um, it was based on Wheezy, Debian Wheezy. Now, this NEMS image is based currently in 2016 November, is based on Debian Jesse. Okay. So it's newer from a software perspective. Right. All the software that's on it is newer, and things have been um, tweaked as far as the user interface. So the user interface itself has been designed to make the deployment so super easy. But Ryan's work with Nagios Pi was really the influence as well as kind of the starting point for NEMS. So, you know, give credit where credit's due. Um, kudos to Ryan for the fantastic work that was done with uh, Nagios Pi. And we look forward to seeing, you know, if, if that project continues. But in the meantime, NEMS has kind of taken off where Nagios Pi left off back in the Wheezy days and now is bringing more modern, modern architecture. Uh, and we've already got in, you can see on the website, um, plans to go to, uh, to the latest version of Debian as well. So lots of great upgrades uh, on a six-month release cycle. Cool. 
So it's a full distribution that comes out every six months with a full um, release. Okay, enough technical babble. Okay, so off to the website, baldnerd.com slash nems. You can see that the download is right there. It's 1.46 gigs, uh, but a little bit bigger than that once you unzip it. It comes as a zip file. So the image file is about three and a half. So you want to have probably an eight gig micro SD card. What I'm using tonight is a Kingston 64 gig micro SD. So that gives me lots of space. Why would I go with a Kingston 64 gig instead of, say, a 16 or an 8? That really comes down to, okay, well, I'm going to be running this thing for a while. It's going to have a lot of log files. It's going to have a lot of host files. A lot of data is going to be written to this drive over the course of the next three years. So, mm-hmm. um, so just for the sake of never running out of space and the fact that these are great disks, um, I might as well go with the extra space. And then I'm not right. going to run into a situation where, uh-oh, um, I've got NEMS on here, and I just ran out of space, and it crashed out, and I've right. got to redeploy, which we make super simple, but we don't want to have that situation. So extra space means extra logs and never having to worry about it. So I'm just going to pop that into my Raspberry Pi. This has been imaged, so I downloaded it on my laptop. I used the directions on the website to burn it, and uh, it's good to go. So some folks have said, well, what about a desktop UI? There is no such thing. This is a, a headless, standalone server. So all you need is an Ethernet cable. That's for internet, of course, yep. and networking, I should say, not so much internet, because this is meant to be behind an internal firewall and, right. and closed off to the world. And then USB for power. There's not going to be any video output or anything like that. Those are the only two cables that are going to go into your Pi. You're going to okay. set that up in your server room, plug it into a good power source. We've got a 2.1 amp uh, cyber power power source here tonight. So I'm just going to plug it in, and I'm using a Titan cable, which I love because I can just kind of articulate it however I want and balance the weight of that. There we go. So I'm going to fire that up, and the Raspberry Pi comes to life. Right. Okay. Uh, this is Category 5 Technology TV. We're looking at NEMS, the Nagios Enterprise Monitoring Server, available at baldnerd.com slash NEMS. As I fire this up for the very first time, not sure how long it's going to take to come up, but the first thing that we need to note is that when it was developed, it was on a 10.0.0 network. Okay. Okay. So all of the settings in it are pre-configured for 10.0.0. whatever in the demonstrations. Right. Now we're on a 192.168.0. whatever network. So as this thing boots for the first time, and Sasha's laughing because she's like, "What the heck are you talking about? <laughs> what this on is earth?" A- different language yeah all right (laughs) let's just say it's set up for dhcp so what that means sasha is Mm -hmm. when i first turn on my pi Mm -hmm. my router or my dhcp server whatever it is is going to assign it its internal ip address so it's not hard set so i don't need to change anything in my internal network in order to connect to it however i do have to determine what the ip address is you do you get to set the IP address? Do, do people get to set their IP you address? You do that from the router with NEMS. Okay. So where, uh, well, let's, let's get into my router here. Okay. I'm going to actually connect in. So for me here in the studio, I'm just using a DHCP server built into our router. Mm-hmm. Nice and simple. Now, if you're a system administrator, you probably have a better setup than that. But let's take a look at my DHCP table. So here's my table. And I can see that, okay, there's your laptop, Sasha. So I know that you are 192.168.0.100. That's your laptop. And then all of a sudden we see one called NEMS. Okay. Okay. NEMS is set up at 
192.168.0.105. So we know that that is now our NEM server. So if we want to connect to it and access it, that's where we're going to go. So through our DHCP server, we're going to set up a reservation so that it always has the same static IP address based on its MAC address. We don't necessarily want to change anything in the NEMS configuration. We want to do that from the DHCP server, ideally, so that it automatically gets that from the DHCP pool. Is that something you would have to actually select? Because I know that my computer at work used to cycle through IP addresses. And that's fine. That's dynamic, but that's a computer. Oh. That's a desktop. So that's different altogether. Well, this is a server. So you like it to have a static IP, which means the IP address never changes. So that when I go to 192.168.0.105, it's always the NEM server. Right. It's never going to be assigned to anything else. And the NEM server is never going to become 106 or 107 or 108. It's always going to be in the same place. Perfect. Uh, but I can always go back into my DHCP pool and see what it has been assigned if I really wanted to. And we're not getting too much into you know, IP addressing and everything like that. But all I need to do here is now, okay, I'm going to copy that to my uh, clipboard and add that to my address bar here. And boom, I'm in NEMS. Look at that. So it, it's actually booted directly from the Raspberry Pi, and this is the this is the landing screen. So it tells us a little bit of quick stats about NEMS, uh, the server itself, and we can get a look at what's what's going on here. So we can see how much disk space there is, and so on and so forth. So with our NEMS server, the very very first thing. I mean, you can follow directions on the website baldnerd.com/nems, but the very first thing that we need to do is expand the storage. Remember that this image was only 3 gigs. Okay. I've got a 64 gig card in there. So if I want to utilize the space on my, uh, on my NEM server, I need to actually program it. I need to expand the file system, I should say, Okay. to take up all 64 gigs. I'm going to show you that practically here. So let's connect into the NEM server using SSH. So from Linux, I'm going to go SSH uh, pi at, because it is uh, Raspbian at this point, pi at 192.168.0.105. And it's going to ask me, you know, do you approve this, certi this security certificate? I'm going to say yes and enter my password, which is Raspberry with a B, uh, with a P. Okay, so there's the NEMS landing page for uh, or the message of the day. Tells us a little bit of quick stats about the system. So, sudo, um, let's do df-h. Shows us our disk free. Do you notice that dev uh, slash root is mounted on slash, and we are currently using 7.4 gigs. We only have 634, uh, 639 megs free, although we're only using... 1.8 gigabytes. Well, how's that possible? We've got a 64 gig card in there. The fact is the very, very first thing that we need to do with NEMS is expand the file system to use up the entire uh, card. Okay? So we're going to type sudo raspy-config. And from there, the first option that you get is expand file system. And that's all there is to it. And it says, okay, are you ready? The file system will be enlarged upon the next reboot. Finish. Do you want to reboot now? Yes. And that's all there is to it. So now when we come back online, we're going to have the full 64 gigs to work with. And then our NEM server is ready to go. That was it. It was really easy. Nagios. Out of the box. Boom. Done. Wow. We're going to see it in just a couple of minutes' time, but we're going to jump over to the newsroom. When we come back from the news, we're going to be showing you how to actually use NEMS to monitor your network to add 
hosts. We're going to do some simple demonstrations to show you how you can do things like ping a website, make sure that your website is up, alert you if, if it goes down, things like that. Cool. Uh, we're going to learn about how we can monitor a Windows computer on your network, make sure that the hard drive space has got enough hard drive space, make sure that the processes are not using too much memory, and uh, we're going to do that all from NEMS in just a couple of minutes' time. In the meantime, jumping over to the newsroom, here is Sasha Dermatis. Hello, here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category5.tv newsroom. The results from OwnFest are in. Google Pixel was owned in just 60 seconds, and the Chinese hacker teams killed Safari and laugh at a four-second flash hack. Samsung has purchased connected car firm Harman for $8 billion in cash. A lone laptop computer can take down an entire server farm in a newly discovered type of denial-of-service attack. And the BBC has confirmed it will launch a new virtual reality film, The Turning, For the Turning Forest, next week. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Now here's another great way you can support the shows you love from the Category5.tv network by shopping at GearBest. That's right, Jeff. Uh, Cat5.tv slash GearBest. It's an online store for the geek streak in you. Or the loved ones. Well, of course. I mean, especially your loved ones, right? Uh, because Cat5.tv slash GearBest, quite frankly, has all of the greatest tech gifts that you could ever hope for at rock-bottom prices. Do they have cell phones? You betcha. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has a wide assortment of unlocked Android cell phones and tablets. What about compute, uh, consumer electronics? Those make a great gift. Absolutely. From high-tech watches to action cameras, headphones, even virtual reality headsets. Cat5.tv slash GearBest has you covered. They literally have it all, Jeff. Literally. Really? It's like a superstore right from the comfort of your own chair at your computer through the interweb. Yeah. I, there's no way they have it all. It's true. It's just a bunch of ele uh, random electronics. Test me. Um, what about clothes? Yep. Both men and women, fashionable apparel at rock-bottom super-duper prices. Kind of like this. Well, look at this coat. What do you think? It's a slimming mock leather jacket. I love it. It's available for less than $30 plus free shipping at cap5.tv slash gearbest. All right. You kind of got me there. Wow. Any other questions for me, Jeff? Uh, now that the winter has passed, flying season. Do they have any good deals on, say, drone copters? Oh, my goodness. Well, check this out. Dude, they have everything. Check out over 500 various drones. And not only that, they're available marked down by about 30 to up to 63% off the regular price. Love it. What's the website again? Well, you're going to find GearBest on our partners' pages for any of your favorite Category 5 TV shows like New Every Day, Category 5 Technology TV, The Pixel Shadow. Uh, but of course, if you want to shop absolutely right now and you want to go straight to the site, all you have to do is visit cat5.tv slash GearBest. See, that's easy. Cat5.tv slash GearBest. That's right. Happy shopping. I'm Sasha Dermatis, and here are the top stories for the week of November 16, 2016. The Google Pixel fell to a team of Chinese hackers alongside Apple Safari and Adobe Flash at the OwnFest hacking competition in Seoul last week. Mountain View's latest offering was smashed by White Hat Friendlies from Kihu 
360 who used an undisclosed vulnerability to gain remote code execution for $120,000 in cash prize. The exploit launched the Google Play Store before opening Chrome and displaying a web page reading owned by 360 Alpha Team. The, or Google said the Chrome bug that Keen Team was the the Keen team found was patched within 24 hours of the event and the changes have already been released into the stable branch by the Chrome team. It was the second time in as many weeks that Pixel has been compromised. The first still unpatched zero day was unveiled at the mobile own to own event in Japan. Hackers also showcased this exploit at OwnFest, showing how they could compromise all aspects of the phone, including contacts, photos, messages, and phone calls. Kihu 360 also breached Adobe Flash with the flick of a finger, scoring a prize of $120,000 for that hack. It took four seconds for Flash to fall. Kihu 360 hackers walked away with more than half a million dollars in prize oh. money. Wow. The hacks concluded OwnFest, which also saw Microsoft Edge hacked and the first ever zero-day exploits against VMware Workstation. I am blown away by the intelligence and just the, I, like, I just feel like it's almost machine-like their ability to find a vulnerability and, like, get, get in there. Are you suggesting that they are robots? They are super awesome robots, maybe. They're rich robots now. <laughs> I'll say. Sadly, it's only half a million dollars, which, sadly, like, I'll take it. <laughs> I hear you, but when you think of the tech world, half a million dollars can disappear like that. What are you, you know, buying? Okay, here's the what thing. are you I buying? Mean, okay, I see what Jeff's saying in context, right? So these, these people are awarded half a million dollars to save a company billions of dollars, right? Right. Yeah. Because the, the potential loss, if any of these exploits were to be actually used in real life. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm -hmm. yeah, right. So. But, I mean, if you figure it's a team of people. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, not knowing how big the team was, say it's five individuals each. Could be 360. That could be why it's called 360. That could very well be. <laughs> but say it is just five guys. That's $100,000 each. And then you take the $100,000. This is their one-year event. Maybe that hundred thousand dollars is their money making for the year, and you've got all the tax. Is buying. he like that's not enough? That's not enough. I work for one no, day. But yeah. <laughs> if, you're, if you're turning yeah. around, I just spent three hours hacking, and I only got a hundred thousand dollars. Four seconds. Four seconds. Yeah, four four seconds. seconds. <laughs> it only took me four seconds. How many dollars a second oh, do you make? <laughs> yes, that's how we measure it in, in twenty-five thousand. If there's five guys on the team. Wow. Wow. Dude, quit your complaining. That is, that's, it's really a cool, like if it's, say, a pastime or just like just one of those crazy skills that you're just born with, like being a master pianist or like being a really great hockey player. If you just can do this and win money for it, all the power to you. But see, in the chat room, GWG brings up a good point. It says that's half a million dollars compared to what they could have made had they have sold the exploits. Oh, come Are you now. saying if they come change now. their white hats, they change out their white hats to what color hats or bad hats? Brown hats? I don't even know. Why don't we just but say red? Red hats? Um, but you, they, didn't but you hear what happened white. to the guy who didn't do it correctly? 
Wasn't that last week that you mentioned that uh, he ended up getting charged? (laughs) Yeah, he ended up getting charged. He decided he would exploit it and show off the exploit in iOS 10. And turns out now he's got a criminal record at 18 years old. Well, no, you got to do it right. You got to do it right. When you all see on our website, because now we have the new news story feature on the website, when you see that own to own is spelt P W N, you'll all be so proud of me for not stumbling on that. Way to go, Sasha. <laughs> for years, I always just called it pawn. Pawn? Yeah, you can kind of call it whatever you want. You can say pond or whatever, but realistically, I think it's own. Yeah. And, and the theory is that own spelt with pwn is because if you look at your keyboard the p is right next to the o right so did at some point somebody make a typo that ended up being pwn clearly instead of own and it really caught on clearly not oprah i don't even know what that means oh that's her network (laughs) oh oh it'd be awkward if she was like i'm own with a p Moving right along. Yeah, what do we got Samsung next? Electronics. Oh, Samsung, Samsung is still in the news? Samsung is in the news again. Samsung, <laughs> Samsung What blew up this week, Sasha? This is, no, this is good. Oh. This is tentatively very good. I'm cautiously optimistic. Samsung Electronics is buying automotive electronics maker Harman International Industries for $8 billion as it makes a big push into connected car technologies. Internet-connected cars will improve in-car entertainment and be able to help with crash alerts and diagnosing engine problems. It will also be key for driverless technology. Samsung said automotive electronics was a strategic priority. Oh, I assume so. The deal is the biggest overseas purchase made by a South Korean firm and comes as Samsung is looking to recover from the withdrawal of its Galaxy Note 7 smartphone. Anything in the news that's not about a smartphone or a washing machine for Samsung is great news. The fact that they want to go into a smart car technology is <laughs> good. I remember when I was a kid that in my grandma's car, your door is ajar. Your door is ajar. The most pointless feature ever. So now Samsung's going to your car is exploding. Your car, your car is, exploding. is on fire. Yes. Your car- <laughs> Isn't it, is it just me or did just having a Samsung phone on the passenger seat cause your car to catch on fire? That happened uh, yesterday. It actually happened with a Note, not a Note 7, but an no, S7. It was an S7. It was an S7. S7. In Winnipeg. It, it, yeah, in the guy's pocket. It was in his pocket. It's so getting hot. He said, it's my, getting my hot in here. Pants are on fire. He was alive. Not and literally. Was Close enough. It he, felt hot. He pulled it out, and then his phone went, and he had second and third degree burns. He shouldn't have lied. Lied? Liar, liar, pants on fire. Buy a Samsung pants on fire. Yeah. Is that how the um, saying goes? Well, now? I if know. I were if I were Samsung, oh, I can't if you that were anymore, Samsung, <laughs> if you if listen I, up, folks, if, if Sasha if I was Samsung, Samsung, this is what she would do. I would have quietly bought this company. I would have waited a little while because. This is a great idea because right now they need something fresh. They need something new. But it's still so fresh and new in our minds, the Galaxy Note 7, the washing machines. I mean, this is week after week. And now we have (laughs) smart car technology with maybe possible driverless technology. It doesn't seem like the sort of thing I want to trust Samsung with at this point. I really hate to pick on Samsung because I know it's been hard knocks for them. I know. 
I've been having trouble sourcing NAND RAM. And I found out, this is a true story, it was because a Samsung distribution outlet burnt down. Oh, it's <laughs> and so they're odd. having a really rough time. I actually, like, I, my heart hurts oh. because I love Samsung products. I, I always, like, I want I was indifferent. Them. Now I'm not so sure. See, half my house runs on Samsung. Mm -hmm. So uh, one of these days, I'm sure I just won't make it to the show because <laughs> what happened? Jeff's Don't on even. fire. This is why we buy wooden desks, folks. For knocking. And I'm sure that you are sick and tired of hearing about Samsung. We'll move along, but it needs to be said. Okay, I, I have to ask, though. Yeah. If they decide to sell, like... If people decide they want to get a Samsung stocks, would you call Say it a, that ten times fast. Would you call it a fire sale? <laughs> Explosive deals. <laughs> Researchers said they have discovered a simple way lone attackers with limited resources can knock large servers offline when they're protected by certain firewalls. The denial of service technique requires volumes of as little as 15 megabits or about 40,000 packets per second to cut off the internet connection of vulnerable servers. The requirements are in stark contrast to recent attacks targeting domain name service provider DIN and earlier security site Krebs on Security and French web host OVH. Those assaults bombarded sites with volumes approaching or exceeding one terabit per second. Researchers from Denmark-based TDC Security Operations Center have dubbed the new attack technique Black Nurse. In a blog post published Wednesday, the researchers wrote, the black nurse attack attracted our attention because in our anti-DDoS solution, we experienced that even though, or even though traffic speed and packets were, per second were very low, this attack could keep our customers' operations down. This even applied to customers with large internet uplinks and large enterprise firewalls in place. We had expected that professional firewall equipment would be able to handle the attack. Because the attack uses a high CPU, uh, uses high CPU load on the firewall in contrast to the traditional DDoS, which requires high amounts of traffic, it doesn't matter if the server is behind a 10 megabit per second or a gigabyte connection. According to researchers from Netrasec, a, a security firm that collaborated with TDC Security on the research, the attack works against firewalls from Cisco Symptoms, or Systems, Palo Alto Networks, SonicWall, and Zixel. So it really just changes everything. It kind of puts everything upside down as far as the, the attacks because now it's, it's just a small amount of information or a small, like, one simple computer that can bring down a hole or bring forward a whole attack as opposed to a, like a myriad of different computers I guess uploading it just takes one it just, just takes, takes one, one. Mm -hmm. scary we've been saying VR video is about to catch on and now the BBC has announced the debut of a virtual reality movie the turning forest the fairy tale will be made available for free on daydream Google's mobile virtual reality product.
Daydream is a mobile headset which covers the eyes of the user and immerses them in the film they are watching. The corporation has released a trailer for the experimental project ahead of its release within the next week. The BBC said the project is part of the corporation's drive to explore emerging technology and new storytelling mediums for future audiences. The Turning Forest debuted at the 2016 Tribeca Film Festival and was originally created for the Oculus Rift. The BBC said that the film has been, now been enhanced to further improve the sound design and introduce new controller interactions. Zyla Watson, executive producer of BBC R&D, said the Turning Forest is unique in that it's been designed from the sound up, using state-of-the-art audio to help transport people to a magical world. It takes advantage of decades of research and experience from our own team, partners, and universities to create a beautiful soundscape that we hope people will love. The Turning Forest has been produced by the BBC's research and development team in collaboration with virtual reality production studio VRTOV. Now, funny to note that they put so much emphasis on the soundscape of this movie. So it's a virtual reality movie where you're wearing a headset and you're immersed in a whole virtual reality world. But what they're focusing on in this piece is the sound. So what does that mean about the actual visuals? Oh. Are they diverting attention? <clears throat> I think it's absolutely necessary. I mean, if you're going to have VR, mm -hmm. I mean, it's one thing to just look around. But if you can have a 3D soundscape, as you're looking over here, you're hearing something crashing in the woods behind you you're going to flip around. If you've got really yeah, yeah, yeah. pathetic sound, oh. you're not going to enjoy the, the 3D experience as you would yeah. if you have some incredible soundscape. The, that's the thing, too. It's, it's immersive audio. It, it, think about like the way web, desi web design has transitioned to mobile first. It doesn't mean that it's not compatible with desktops now. It just means it's, it, it, here's our focus, and then we're branching out from there. With audio first, you're talking about immersive um, what do they call I, I, uh, the the actual term is on the tip of my brain, it's but freaking cool. It, it eludes me. Um, like I work with binaural audio. What binaural audio does is I have a headset, a dummy head with microphone ears, and when I record Nature Sounds, Nature Sounds of Ontario, mm -hmm. Canada, you can find it on our website, Category5.tv. When I record them and you wear headphones, you hear it in what's called binaural audio. So it's as if you are right there. It's immersive. Mm -hmm. However, if I turn my head, it does not turn with me. Right. Right. So to get following. the full virtual reality experience, the key thing here has been, well, we've had binaural audio and stereo audio and virtual reality view, but when I move my head, the audio stays in stereo. Right. I want to, oh, okay. if I look at a monster that's growling at me, I want to hear it in front of me. That's right. where immersive audio So it's in your left, it's sort of like surround sound, right? Where it's on it's your left better side. than surround yes. sound. Yeah, it's way more immersive ah, than surround sound. Awesome. I don't know the word you're looking for, Robbie, but I know that when you have a word on the tip of your tongue, yeah. that is called anomia. Well, thank you You're for that. Welcome. Now I know. Um, <laughs> I was looking at this picture and thinking how much red there is, and it reminded me of Virtual Boy. Do you guys remember that? Yes! <laughs> I forgot about Virtual Boy! <laughs> Obviously, the gra graphics are better. <laughs> Slightly. <laughs> Just all the red and thinking about virtual reality made me think of our first VR headsets back in the 80s. Yes. 
terrible, yeah. terrible experience. It really was. Yeah. But it was cool for the time. For the time. For the two weeks that it was for, on sale. <laughs> for the short time. Yes. Thanks for watching the Category 5.TV newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category 5.TV newsroom, I'm Sasha Dermatis. That's it. We're in. We're, yeah, that's all. That's, that that's is all the it. time we have, folks. It's exhausting. It is. I'm running around <laughs> rewiring and rejigging. It reminds me of when I was a kid and I made patch panels. And uh, I used to re-patch all of the things from the panel. So I'd rewire things. I made my stepmom so nervous because she's so afraid of me causing a fire. And I'm like, it's <laughs> passive. It's not even electronic. It's five volts. Don't worry about it. But, uh, you know, doing patch panels. That's how I felt tonight. That, that is uh, that's way a back. very good way of describing it. Way back playback for Robbie Ferguson. There you go. That's exactly <laughs> what it was like. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. This is episode number 478. And uh, Sasha had a microphone fail tonight. So we originally set her up with, with a wireless microphone. You'll notice halfway through the news there that suddenly it vanished and turned into Jeff's headset. Yes. Because Jeff is now on a lapel, which is hardwired, but the cable wasn't long enough to reach to Sasha. So, you know, this is all the rejigging that we did halfway through the show there that you don't see at home. Um, but uh, it does cost money to run the show, and I'll just remind you that you know, we need a new headset microphone now for Sasha. Uh, hers is busted, I guess. They're not cheap. They're not cheap. And so, Santa. hey, if you can throw something in the tip jar. Yeah. Santa, if you're watching, <laughs> I have been a very good girl. Hey, we <laughs> love having Sasha back. Her microphone <laughs> sat in, in a little box for the year that she was gone. <laughs> and then when we pulled it back out, it disintegrated. So we need to buy her a new one. That's how it works. <laughs> you sounded like you were going to say something. It was, no. just, it was just a... It was... I'm still sitting here thinking, she's saying, Santa, I've been really good all year, and I'm thinking... I'm sure you have not. I know you have <laughs> I don't believe that. Okay, can we get right back to NEMS? Because yes. I know we're short on time. Folks are really keen on learning all about the Nagios Enterprise Monitoring Service Server. Okay, let's get back into it. All right, looking at my notes here. First of all, getting back to Nagios uh, on NEMS. NEMS, we've got it booted up, so if all worked well... Everything should have just come right back online. So let's bring up our web browser. Let's head on over to 192.168.0.105. There we go. Okay, so first of all, let's, the first thing I like to do with an EMS deployment, oh, and, and obviously the very first thing was resizing the partition, which we want to simply confirm only to show you that, hey, this, is, this has actually worked. Oh, it didn't connect. Oh, that was 106, sorry. Rasp. Berry. There we go. Okay. I just want to show you that, yeah, that worked. We resized the partition. S-U-D-O. Uh, uh, and then we did disk usage dash F. No, dash H for human readable. No, not D-U. D-F. Disk free. Sorry. Uh, so now you notice slash is using just 1.8 gigs, and we have 54 gigs free. So I just wanted to show you that. It's 4% 4, 4 use. I just wanted to show you that because that was the very first thing that we need to do with an EMS deployment. But the first thing, once it's deployed, that I like to do 
is to actually hop on over to the interface here and click on reporting and NAGVIS. NAGVIS is basically Nagios visualization. Let's go admin, admin out of the box. We probably want to change those usernames and passwords, but uh, it gives us a, a starting point anyways. Um, so you can see that a couple of services are down here. What does it say? Well, this is critical. 10.0.0.3 is not found. And over here, my Debian server, 10.0.0.26 is not found. Well, we know that we're on a 192.168.0 network, so obviously our configuration, basically it's samples that have been conf uh, configured for you to be able to edit and manipulate. They're not set up for your network. So we can change that by jumping back over to NEMS, go to Configuration, and then NCONF. NCONF is a fantastic tool that comes with this. Notice how, Jeff, everything's already pre-configured. Yes. I didn't have to deploy NCONF. It's there. It's configured. It's ready to go. It's rocking. And uh, it's, so that's what makes NEMS such a great project. Uh, so we're going to click Show Host. And you can see my Debian server is set to 10.0.0.26. So I'm going to edit it because it's not that. It's 192.something. I don't have a Debian server here, so not not going to worry about it. Let's look at our Windows server, which uh, is actually my laptop. So we're going to change the IP address of that server, if you will, to the IP address of my laptop. So again, I got to find that out. I need to know what is the IP address of my Windows computer. So I'm going to jump back over to my router, which is the DHCP pool. As a server admin, you should know how to administer your DHCP pool, how to figure out uh, IP addresses and things like that. But if you have any trouble, post comments in on the NEMS page or let me know. You can comment below this video as well. Going back to our pool, here we go. So that one that says desktop LPH is in fact, I know that to be my laptop. So 192.168.0.104, that's what we're going to use. So right there, paste it in and now save that, submit it. And now I've basically told it that that is actually my Windows server. It's a Windows laptop, but we're just using this as an example. So you can set that to your actual Windows server if you have one. Then, now that I've done that, I can generate Nagios config. It's going to run through some tests, make sure that it's good. And if it's ready to go, it will say you know, no errors. So we can deploy. Once it's deployed, within a couple of minutes' time, we're going to start seeing that show reports in uh, NAGVIS. Now, the reason that I'm using NAGVIS is because it's a real quick and dirty. It shows me a good report on the screen. I can see which hosts are up, which hosts are down. I told you, though, that one of the things that we want to be able to do with, uh, with NEMS is, <laughs> pardon me, is monitor our website. Mm -hmm. You've got a website at your company, and it's important that you know that it's up and running and everything's hunky-dory and it's responding to ping requests and things like that. So let's actually set, uh, set that up. Let's pretend that we're setting up your website. So what I'm going to do here is we're not going to use one of the sample configs. We're going to create a new configuration so that I can walk you through a little bit of the process in creating new hosts and new uh, services uh, on your NEMS server. This is not by any means comprehensive. Nagios is vast, but this at least gets you started. A little bit of a crash course, we'll say. So in NCOMP, we're going to click on Add under Hosts. And we're going to call this host our website. So let's say this is called uh, the, the Category 5 TV website. Okay? 
and here's this is key this is the address of that so this we're not going to include http or anything like that this is strictly the dns name so this is category5.tv my server is a linux server that's good host preset linux server monitored by we need to set that to default nagios nagios Okay, now I'm going to leave everything else as default because I want to show you what some of the errors that you're going to receive are. So we're going to just hit submit. And then the next screen is going to ask us what services we want to monitor on this. So you know, check DHCP. No, we want to actually check a ping. We want to ping our website and see if it is going to uh, reply or not. So we're going to add that service. Okay, that's all there is to it. So it's done. So now if I go show hosts, You'll see now that I have the Category 5 TV website, and the address is category5.tv, and it's all configured. And if I go over to Services here, we can show that, and we can see that it's actually going to check ping on the Category 5 TV website. And you can also see the other samples that were included in the installation of NEMS. So now, we're going to get errors, but I'm going to click on Generate Nagios Config, and then you can see that there's an error. Okay? So we can click here to expand and find out what are the errors that we're having here. Oh, boy. It says, in, well, just look at the red. Don't worry about all that stuff. <laughs> Invalid max check attempts value uh, for the host, the Category 5 TV website. So I have not set max check attempts, which is, as you can imagine, plain English is, it's how many times you want to check it if it fails. Right. Kind of thing. So now we know, okay, well, this tells us what the error is. Let's fix it. So it's in the host, the Category 5 TV website. So let's go over there. Hosts show the Category 5 TV website, edit or modify, go down to max check attempts, and we're going to say number of times to retry checking, we're going to say five. Submit. Okay, so now that's been changed. So now generate Nagios config again, and we see an error. Expand it, scroll down to the red, and what do we have? Error. Invalid max attempts, check interval retry interval or notification interval value for the service check ping on the host the category 5 tv website so now we take that information that we just learned from the error message and we go over to the service and we show it and then we go to this one and we go modify this is the category 5 check ping and we scroll down to our settings here and we say okay max check attempts 5 check interval let's check every 15 minutes in a regular scenario but if it's failed let's check every one minute that's the retry interval and then the first notification let's give a notification after five minutes of failure so basically what we know is that okay 15 minutes have gone by it's failed and then it's tried again five more times once per minute and then it sends us a notification to let us know that hey Something's going wrong here. Now, five minutes would make sense if you're, say, restarting a website or a computer for whatever reason. Maybe you've done some updates. So, five minutes is a reasonable time frame. I would. I think so. I think so. Uh, but you can manipulate those as you like, and you can always change them down the road as well. Notification interval. This is how how often you want to hear from Nagios that it's down. You don't want to set this to something low because then you're going to, until you fix it, you're going to get a message every time right. this interval passes. So I'm going to say, let's do it every two hours. This is all in minutes. Uh, and then uh, possible values for notifications. Um, let's see. W is warning. So we want to notify if there's a warning, like, hey, this server is kind of floppy. Uh, if it's up again, and uh, what was C, 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 C? I can't recall. But look those up, folks. 
<laughs> funny thing, eh? It'd be nice if it was a little more verbose. But let's just go with uh, that it's underworn and that it's up. Oh, and C. C, obviously. Critical. Sorry, my mistake. So I want WUC. That sounds good for me, at least to start. Now I'm going to submit. Okay. So now I've set those settings. And I'm going to go to generate Nagios config. And this time, ah, look at that. It's ready to deploy. There are no errors. So now I'm going to deploy. And again, Nagios configuration has now been made into a GUI. It's nice and easy. But notice I don't have a monitor plugged into the Pi. Right. I'm connected to the Pi. Everything that you see me doing here is over my network into the Pi. Uh, but this is all done through my web browser or over an SSH uh, connection for some of the more advanced features. So there we go. So now if I go back to uh, Nagviz, you'll see, okay, NEMS is good. Let's refresh. And what do we got? We've got the Category 5 TV website says network unreachable. The host is down. Uh, the service check ping has not been checked yet. So don't get concerned. It just means, hey, this is a new service. It hasn't been run yet. We haven't checked it yet. So it's going to do that in a couple of minutes' time. Uh, and there's our, the rest of our services. Okay, so I'm going to close out of Nagviz and my router and NCONF. I've finished with that. And let's take a look at check MK multi-site. This is awesome. Nagios admin is your default login. Nagios admin is your default password. Check MK is basically a reporting tool that takes you know Nagviz to the next level as far as reporting goes. This is a beautiful graphical interface for your Nagios deployment. And this, again, is pre-configured and ready to go. Uh, this is uh, version 1.1 that we're demoing tonight. So the implementation of CheckMK is pretty rudimentary, but it does work. And uh, for the most part, there are some little things that could be improved, but that will come uh, with 1.2 as well and some other updates. So we can see that uh, our Win server, notice that it is OK now. It says, hey, that's actually OK. So it's detected my laptop on the network, which is a Windows computer. And do follow the directions. Now, I should note that my laptop has a special agent that is running on the laptop as a daemon, a service. And that is what is allowing NEMS to communicate with it. So follow the directions in the NEM configuration uh, documentation, and it will show you how to do all that. We don't need to get into too much technical stuff tonight. But we can see our Win server. If we click on it, it looks pretty good. Uh, there's a couple of things that are still loading, and you notice that this goes back as far as 43 minutes when we fired it up for the first time, and it said connecting to it failed, connecting to it failed, critical, packet filtered, uh, connecting to address failed, packet filtered, and blah, blah, blah. But then as we made changes, all of a sudden, like three minutes ago, system uptime, we've got that, and it's green. It says OK. Uh, 53 seconds ago, this service says OK. This one's still checking. So that's all good. So let's go back to the home screen here. We can see that the Category 5 TV website says that it's down. I can click on that. It's critical. It says network unreachable. And I can actually click on this icon here and reschedule check to tell it, hey, I want you to actually test that again. OK? So that's pretty good. Jumping back here, let's go over to Nag Nagios Core. And this is a re-implementation of Nagios. This is the home screen, the, the tactical overview of your environment. So you can see what services are having trouble. And so those of you who are familiar with Nagios already, this is an important thing for you. Uh, and in fact, if you're looking at reporting through Nagviz, for example, uh, and you click on the Category 5 TV website, you can see it will actually take you to Nagios. And you can see what's going on here. It's critical, 
critical network unreachable category 5.tv and so on okay so now I can actually click on that and over here on the right hand side notice that there's an option here to reschedule the next check of this host and that's important to be able to do that but here's something that I want to show you because this is pretty new to a lot of you I'm sure so as I do that through the Nagios uh, interface and I say okay let's actually reschedule a check it warns us that hey uh, we're currently actually not checking external commands so your command will not be committed and the reason for that and the reason for the order in which I've shown you everything here is because CheckMK is actually administering the recheck. Right. Okay. So if I want to uh, say you don't want to use CheckMK for that, you just want to use CheckMK for reports on the screen, you don't want to use it to actually control Nagios, there's a way around that on NEMS. So what we're going to do is we're going to actually jump into the terminal and SSH to that server. So that's simply SSH pi at and then the IP address. Raspberry is the default password. And we're going to go sudo nano etc slash nagios3 slash nagios.cfg. And just do a quick search for, um, <clears throat> let's see, what am I che checking for? Uh, check ext, ext, and you'll see one called check external commands and set that to one. Check external commands by default is set to zero because we're going to be using check MK instead so we can write that file because we're super user do and we've changed it to one so now Nagios is in charge we can go sudo service Nagios 3 restart Nagios is going to restart and then back here at Nagios let's go back let's try committing <coughs> that again and you'll see this time the command request was successfully submitted to Nagios for processing so now what we've done is we've said okay we're not going to use check MK to administer that end of it we're going to use Nagios instead that's a simple toggle either zero or one so um, basically that's a quick, real quick rundown of the NEM server. Um, you can see that the configuration, you know, you can go through and set up your, uh, your actual configs using nconf and uh, get everything going just the way that you want it to. And uh, once you've got it all set up, it's going to do really, really well for you. Now, when you add in a website to be mm -hmm. regularly pinged, if it's like an HTTPS, do you have to specify that or? No, because no? it's going by the DNS name. Okay. So like an IP address, you don't specify the protocol. Right. It's just a ping. Okay. So it's going to ping category5.tv as opposed to HTTP. It doesn't need that. Right. The protocol. Now, if you put that in, mm -hmm. would it mess up the ping? Yes, it would okay. fail. It would actually fail. So why is it failing tonight? Let's take a quick boo at my... I'm not sure if the host name needs to be the actual host name, like if I need to set that to. You can tinker around with that. Let's try HTTP category 5tv And again, you can mess around with your configuration, submit that, and generate your Nagios config and deploy. And I'm done. That was it to reconfigure my Nagios server. So now it takes like five minutes to start updating again. Um, so the final kind of thing here with NEMS that really sets it apart is the backup and migration process. Uh, NEMS makes it really, really easy to deploy Nagios, but also um, because it's Raspberry Pi, you want to be able to redeploy, upgrade, and then import your configuration really, really simply. So does it get any easier than this? Right on the NEMS home screen, you've got the migrator, and you can click on Backup. Done. There's my backup.
Huh. That's all there is to it. So, cool thing. What is the backup URL? Copy that, and you'll see that that's actually taking you to the IP address slash backup. So on your regular nightly backup script, what you can in fact do is you can say, okay, let's just pretend. So in my script, let's say this is my backup script, okay? So bin bash, and all my rdiff backup stuff happens and all that. But then let's say wget-o temp backup.nems and then the IP address slash backup, okay? So that becomes part of my backup script. So now if I run that script, it's just wget, but watch this, backup.sh, and it downloaded backup.nems from <clears throat> 192.168.0.105 backup. It automatically generated a backup.nems file And there it is, 1.1 megabit, megabyte, pardon me, instantly created. And now, it, because it's part of my backup set, I can rdiff it, I can include it in my offsite backup, and it's completely separate. I don't have to manually do that anymore. Wow. Just like that. So I've got a backup of all my configuration files, everything, my host data, my logs, all of that stuff is included. So now if I redeploy NEMS or if I upgrade to the latest version, I can then use the migrator tool and the instructions that are there to restore that backup and it will take you right up and running with it, whatever version of NEMS you're using. Wow. Just like that. Just that simple. This is a great monitoring tool for your network. Uh, it runs on the Raspberry Pi 3, and uh, that is called NEMS, N-E-M-S, and it's available at baldnerd.com slash NEMS. It must be expensive, Jeff. No. You've you got to buy a Raspberry Pi 3. Please do it through the links on that site, but uh, neither here nor there, NEMS is free. It uses free tools like Debian Linux. It uses free tools like uh, Nagios Core which is open source and community driven. It uses uh, CheckMK, which is free software. It uses everything that's available through NEMS is available absolutely free. So you're that's good awesome. to download it, deploy it, use it in your corporate network. Let us know what you think. That's baldnerd.com slash NEMS. Cool. Now, how does this, and maybe this is covered in the, the write-up on the, the mm -hmm. website, but for any computer, like say you're, you're checking you know, your basic Windows computer that your kids use. Yep. Do you have to enable any configurations on the, com on the computer side to allow NEMS to talk to it? There's an agent that you can install. Okay. Otherwise, you can only do very simple rudimentary things like pinging it. So right. if the computer gets turned off or crashes, it won't respond to a ping, so you know it's down. Right. That's helpful, but it's not all the information that you could use. So by installing NRPE, which is uh, through the documentation, you'll learn how to do that on Linux and Windows. Uh, with that agent running in the background, NEMS will actually communicate with it on the schedule that you set. So if it's every 30 minutes, every five minutes, whatever it is, it will send the request for the data to that agent on that computer. So it'll say to the Windows computer, how much CPU are you using? And then it will reply with 5%. Right. And so now NEMS knows, okay, that computer is using 5% CPU. And based on the schedule that you set out, it will know, it will, you'll be able to monitor all that stuff with CheckMK or NAGVIS cool. or even NAGEOS 3. Now, with, with something like this running, could you have other software running in the back end on the Pi? On or the Pi? Or would this be the sole? 
this should be the kind of the, the one purpose of the NEMS server, because the whole idea with NEMS is that you can deploy, destroy, redeploy, migrate, and not ever have to worry about reconfiguration. It's very, very dead simple. So you wouldn't want to have this running as well as Plex? Uh, no, and, and that would kind of be outside of the purpose of the NEM server because um, Plex is, is multimedia entertainment where this is a server that will monitor um, your, your business network. You could use it at home for sure, but you know what? For the price of a pie, I'd just buy another one. Well, exactly. And then and you don't the have to worry story. about it. Go buy another pie. Yeah. <laughs> you can never have too many pies. And when you get bored of whatever you're doing, you can connect them all together and make one super pie. That's a whole lot of pie, people. That'd be fun. Anyway, that's NEMS, uh, baldnerd.com slash NEMS. Thank you, everybody, for uh, checking that out, and thanks for everyone who has supported the project so far. Uh, of course, I am the head developer of that, and uh, it's been a lot of fun. Cool. Mm -hmm. Thanks, folks. Is that all the time that we have? I believe it is. Wowzers. Yeah. We had a lot of fun, though, didn't we? Uh, good times, good times. Lots of fun, especially if you're watching live. <laughs> <laughs> the things that you miss when you watch pre-recorded, eh? Sorry, sorry, Garby. You missed all that. That's why I'm not sure if we're done or not, because I don't know what time it is, <laughs> according to your clock. <laughs> we'll compile this in the end and find that it's like a 35-minute show. Yeah, there you right. go. Or it could be an hour and 70 minutes. I, uh, what is an hour and 70? Two hours and 10 minutes. <laughs> Whatever. I just throw numbers out. Well, we should do a three-hour uh, 360. I, I never want to do another beyond one hour 360. <laughs> one hour, okay. Two hours took a month to produce. Three hours, I don't have enough hard drive space. That's a lot of hard drive space. Speaking of three hours, Senor Wences lives in Boston, so maybe we could train up for the marathon there. Yeah, we're on our way. Yeah. I don't. I'm going to start running now. That's right. I don't start run running. at all. Mm. It's bad. Oh, yeah, that's right. We talked mm -hmm. about this. We did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're very inactive. So on the, on the off chance that we're under time, should we fill it with some random chatter? <laughs> on the off chance. <laughs> There's enough until, random chatter in this 35-minute show. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Anybody see the supermoon? Yeah, I, I saw the it. The chat room's been buzzing It's pretty neat. It. Yeah. It was very cool. My favorite photo. There's clear skies here. Yeah. My favorite photo of it was the International <laughs> Space Station going Bless across it. Really? Yeah, oh, I didn't, didn't see the time no. photo? It looks like a string of TIE fighters flying across the moon. It was incredible. Maybe it was. Yep. Dun, dun, dun. But hey, I, I believe that's all the time that we have, Jeff. I think so, too. Thank you again to our contributors this week. It makes such a difference and means such a huge amount to us here at the studio. Now more than ever. A reminder, we're all volunteers here, uh, and uh, we're here just to, to have a fun time and, and do a great show. And uh, hopefully you're along with us each and every week. Uh, but your contributions help to keep this show strong, help keep the rent paid, help keep Sasha's microphone working, and so on. So thank you, everybody. Have a good one. Take care. See ya.